0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I am Justice Mosqueda. Um, this is Draft Talk. We've started again. I'm joined here by Tyler Brooks. Hey, what's the people, Tyler?
2: It's never been more over for the haters. We're back. I'm We're back, back
1: baby. <laughs> We're back, baby. And we have a quarterback. You can't
2: believe it. Um I was making stupid Drake May photoshops <laughs> earlier the season. Oh man, I recorded
1: I recorded a podcast with Charles McDonald, Yahoo Sports. Um, if you guys want to go check that out, um, and he did not let me live down the fact that I was I was using AI to uh, look up, you know, Caleb May in in a Packers <laughs> or Caleb and May in Packers uniforms at about midseason. Which again, I don't feel bad about. They couldn't complete past midseason.
2: What a um, turnaround.
1: Yeah. What? Just insane turnaround for the team. Um, happy Valentine's day. And also <laughs> Ash Wednesday, the most ambitious crossover event in the history <laughs> of the world. I didn't know they could both be on the same day until I looked at my calendar yesterday and was like, Whoa, they're both at same and time.
2: This crazy. is how you wanted to spend it. Right. With your boy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, Addy just left for work. It's eight thirty West coast time. Um, I just left for work, so she's not coming back till 5. I got some time to.
2: I got a paint. Things. I got a paint and sip to do tonight. Do so you pray for me? I uh, we'll have, see. I, I have no artistic the, ability.
1: <laughs> I got to clean the hell out of the house before she gets home. Um, figure out some time to go to the gym in the meantime. We are going to talk about the Packers draft needs and just kind of talk about uh, the draft overall in the first half of uh, this podcast. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in this draft class. Um and then the second half we're gonna finally touch on the uh, coaching staff changes, especially on you know the defensive side of the ball, obviously. Um, so let's get this thing started. One thing that is interesting. This was something I looked up. Uh, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. This came out yesterday, so this is Dane Brugler's big board. He came out with his top 100. Um, Dane is. I don't like I don't pay much attention to Kuiper and stuff like that. Um I kind of think that a lot of Kuiper's takes are just made for the the content of it. Um Dane is a guy who's I know for a fact has turned down multiple NFL opportunities. And Dane puts in the work. I don't know if you guys have ever read the, the actual beast. scouting reports that oh, he puts gosh. out. Yeah, the beast. Um, he's done that for a decade now i actually talked to him about his rankings a little bit yesterday um just like in his dms and stuff like that like that that guy works right yeah absolutely um he's one of the few people that like you know they have opinions about the draft and if i haven't seen a guy um i actually kind of like weigh what their opinion is in terms of like you know is this guy actually worth watching you know mm-hmm. what i mean stuff like that we'll go through the position groups um, you know, individually, but these are all of the guys. Well, I don't want to just list off the entire names, but so he he dropped his top 100, right? I think overall, you know, we ran a poll at APC about you know the Packers' top needs, had the fans vote on that. Um, you know, running back, safety, uh, linebacker were the ones that came up as the biggest needs for the team, right? Makes sense Dane's number one running back is Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. He's ranked 70th overall. He's also injured, right? People thought maybe he was going to come back this year. Um, at linebacker, he has two guys going in the top 75. That's not great. And then at at safety, he has two guys going in the first two rounds of the draft, right? It's an interesting situation. Um, yeah. I think, you know, as we talk about this draft class, it's going to be interesting because the Packers' biggest needs are where the draft is the most weak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So, you know, they're going to have to figure something out. They have 11 draft picks. I'm not – this isn't to cause anxiety or anything like that. It's just worth noting, right? Like maybe maybe linebacker or one of these top safeties is something that you're looking at with that first, second-round pick that you got from the Jets, but there might not be a guy there for the second, second second-round pick, right? And I don't think that there's a guy at – any of these positions that you would take in the first round, unless it's Cooper DeGene, which we'll talk about him in the safeties episode, but you know, he's a cornerback. He played kind of a hybrid role um, in previous seasons and people, you know, cause he's a white dude want to move him to safety. I don't, I think he's going to end up sticking at corner, but you know, if the Packers are kind of spoiled with riches, just in terms of, you know, where they're at, they might, look at a guy like him and say like, well, we can move him to safety and get him on the field immediately. And if we need yeah. to move him to a corner down the line, we can do that too. So
2: I I'm very curious and I'm sure we'll get to this in the second half of this episode, but just the, how much different is the defense going to look schematically with the new defensive coordinator? Is it halfly, halfly, halfly. Okay. Um, I'm still a bit behind, not just my Packers news covering so many sports right now. Um, But just schematically, I'm so curious to see what the differences are. What is he going to want to emphasize compared to what Joe Barry was doing and what kind of impact that has on Guttekun's draft strategy? I know he already said it's not going to make much of a difference, but in reality, Halfley's definitely going to be like, listen, these are the guys or positions where we really need to upgrade if this is going to work. So I am very curious about that.
1: Yeah, and Gut was even like, you know, as we get further down the process, we'll talk about, you know, what kind of guys he's looking at and. That's a real thing, right? Like, um, this is a subject that I've brought up before and it usually gets met with frustration from fans and not, not just Packers fans, just fans in general. But, like, you know, you talk about a draft board, right? And I mm-hmm. think people think that it's, like, 500 players long, including undrafted free agents, and you just, like, work your way down it and all that stuff. Um, Once you're talking about actually turning in a pick for a player and saying, like, this is where we think that there's going to be value. And, uh, you know, you're talking about post-medical red flags, post-character red flags, all that stuff. Um, you know, if you have a guy who's a... a you know is going to get drafted in the first round, but he's a fourth-round pick on your board, you're probably just not going to have that guy on your board, right? So, yeah. like, your actual draft board is probably, like... 120 players i yep. would assume like in in general on average for an nfl team not just for the packers but just in general um the reason for that right is it helps you kind of focus on what guys you actually want um yeah. for a couple reasons right so like one you can get eyes on them right so you're not having a defensive coordinator drink water through fire hose right yes. and he can actually look at some of these guys and say like hey i know who these players are on draft day so when you ask me a question and we want to move around in the draft right and you know hey we can trade a second for two thirds you you got to match up players to those picks yeah. right and you know actually be able to kind of weigh those decisions um said that before Fans are like, you know, these they have a full scouting staff, all this stuff. Why are they only ranking 120 players? They're not only ranking 120 players; they're only really interested in 120 players. Um, exactly. Okay, let's get into positions. I guess we start with quarterback.
2: <laughs>
1: they're not going to spend a pick on quarterback,
2: right? No, but I am curious to know who your QB one is. Is it Caleb? It's May. It's May for me. Dang it's, it! Why do we always do this
1: every year? We Caleb does too much dumb stuff sometimes. And look, dude, Caleb could be like I was a doubter in Mahomes, I was a doubter mm-hmm. in Josh Allen coming out. Like that's just not my type of quarterback um in terms of assuming that an NFL coaching staff is going to get that guy right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I kind of think think those it's guys tough. are exceptions to the rule. Um Caleb is freelancing a whole lot. I think my opinion on Caleb could be changed depending on, you know, if I actually got to sit down with him and work with him on a whiteboard and yeah. all that stuff and got to know him as a kid. Um, but from the outside looking in, you know, I think, I think may is, he's got a better chance to hit for sure. Cause of how he can operate and structure.
2: I'm so glad we're on the same page there. I wrote down for my comp for Kayla Williams. He's a thicker Kyler Murray, which I really yeah. like, but he has those Justin Fields tendencies that I hate. Yeah. You we're holding onto the ball way too damn long. And with may, there's just so many plays where you know the arm talent, the athleticism pop out, but then there's also those plays where like he makes a check at the line of scrimmage because he sees something in the secondary, and then just gashes defenses. Like his pre and post snap processing blows me away, especially when you think about what is he going to be 22 as a rookie? Like he's still pretty yeah, he's damn young. Um, I mean, we I remember you and I were talking about him in last year's draft process. Like, have you watched this North Carolina quarterback as a yeah. redshirt freshman just? The maturity and all the tools there just blow me away, and I keep saying the only way I'd be nervous about what the Bears do at quarterback is if they took May. If they take Williams, I know Shane Waldron's considered a good coach. Eh, yeah, but if it's May, I get I, I sweat a little bit.
1: Did you see the JSN? Comment yes, uh, Carmen. Aldridge? The guy
2: that asked him the question is an old coworker of mine, Mark Carmen, who's just a phenomenal dude. So I was like, Car, what are you doing, man? For
1: for the uh, for the people. Who aren't aware, you know, know, um, Super Bowl week, they have the thing called the car wash, right? It's just basically like you're sitting in a big convention center. People are just walking around. You can get them around for interviews and all sorts of stuff. Um, Usually they're hawking stuff. So, like, if you've seen a lot of, like, Jordan Love interviews recently, it's because he was there for Old Spice, right? And he's supposed to be promoting Old Spice when he's on with Dan Patrick or Micah Parsons or, or whoever it is, right? Um, they asked JSN what he thought of now Bears offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Mm-hmm. His first his first uh, response was, "Is this live?" <laughs> and then, like his next <laughs> response was like, "Good good luck." <laughs> so maybe maybe not the most well thought of offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, quarterback, I don't think they're going to do anything. Maybe they draft a guy late to push uh, Sean Clifford, but this isn't really a draft class where there's going to be a ton of guys drafted in D3.
2: And I've only watched 41 players so far, so there's no way in hell I've watched the day three quarterbacks yet.
1: I've seen the UTEP quarterback a little bit. What? Um, Didn't know they're yeah. The
2: UTEP I don't quarterback even know the names, is weird. Dude.
1: His stats aren't good. He's got a hose. Like he's okay. actually – he's the anti-Sean Clifford. So it would be interesting to see, you know, do the whole Joker thing, right? Break the, break, break the, uh, the pool stick. pool stick. Yeah. Break the pool stick. Let them go at it. See who survives running back. This is a position where the team is going to need to do something at mm-hmm. some point this offseason. Aaron Jones is under contract. Um, the team can probably shave off like a million and a half of his cap hit, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of him turning down money. You got Jones to agree to a contract restructure uh, last year. I think they can do similar so- to something this year. That million and a half is basically the difference between what he's going to make in 2024 and what he made in 2023. So I-, I think you can make those things match, is basically what it comes down to. But still, he has a $17 million cap hit. You, know, you shave a million and a half off of that. Still pretty significant. I don't know if they end up, void-earing him and just kind of dropping the cap hit that way and just say, hey, we're going to pay it in the future. A.J. Dillon is going to be a, a free agent. Matt Lafleur's already said that, you know, he would be willing to have Dillon come back next season. I think Dillon is going to test the free agency market. Um, And, you know, if he doesn't find something better, he'll probably come back to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine someone is going to give him a, a full-blown starting role, but
2: there's you know, a role for him somewhere.
1: Yeah. Like,
2: yeah would not be surprised starter, if he but... comes back, though. Same, either. yeah.
1: Especially in this running back class, right? We and in, how much uh,
2: he loves Door County, like that probably is yeah, a fact. yeah. Patrick uh, Taylor
1: is an RFA. Um, I don't think that he's going to be back at least on that contract. Um, he's, he, you know, there, there's precedent in the past where a guy is a restricted free agent, which means that you know you have first right of refusal and all that stuff. Um the Packers don't actually tender that guy. Tyler Davis is an example, right? Um, they say, Hey, you're not actually worth, you know, two million dollars, two and a half million dollars, hit free agency and then come back as a as a, you know, minimum player. Maybe that's something that they do with Patrick Taylor. And then you have Emmanuel Wilson, the rookie who I think had like seventeen carries um this past season. So, you know, Jones isn't gonna be a bell cow. We know that. Um and you know he just had his best stretch of his career because AJ Dillon had a broken thumb basically you know to to end the season but they don't really trust any of these guys behind him either and they're going to need an rb2 yeah. at some point i don't know if it's going to come in free agency or the draft but they're going to need to address that
2: there's it's such a weird rb class cuz there's no one that's even close to a first rounder maybe not even a second rounder in this class uh but there's some fun ones i mean Trey Benson i really like i think he's kind of an angry runner Bucky Irving just screams Aaron Jones successor as the undersized guy with contact balance is Go legal. uh you must love that guy. He was a very fun watch for me. I he, really enjoyed he,
1: him. He was very fun. Trey Benson actually started at Oregon too.
2: I did I not know he, that.
1: He ended up transferring out. Yeah. Uh
2: the guy that Packers Twitter seems to love that I cannot get my head around is Blake Quorum. He has like seven hundred career. That's just, career Big, Ten.
1: That's just yeah. Big Ten stuff, right?
2: But you got 700 career college carries, 750, something like that. You're coming out. You have a season ending knee injury one year and just the athleticism. I don't think's there. He's going to be like what? 24, 25 is yeah, a rookie. It's just all those things scream to me. It's going to be a guy that gets overdrafted by a franchise. It's like he, Oh, national champion. He's a winner. Look at the bloody face during the yeah. games. Uh, I just don't see the value there. Uh, and long-term, I just don't think that's the right fit. Um, but there are some guys I need to watch more, but a few guys that I've already graded I've really enjoyed that I think would be fun RB2s. The uh,
1: the riser right now is uh, Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. He was a guy who people didn't really have on the radar until he declared for the draft. Now he's being talked about as a top 100 pick. I haven't seen him personally, but I know that when he came out, he was, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, like uh, – so, here's another thing that we could talk about with the draft class. Um, this is the fewest amount of underclassmen that have declared for a draft in over a decade. Wow. So, basically, what's happening is if you're not going in the first four rounds, you're going back to school. Um, this is how it's working with NIL and stuff. Um, that is not how it used to work, man. I know agents who are pushing kids, you know. Three four years ago, and were like, if you have a chance at making the roster, leave now because all that matters is the second contract. Well, NIL money is becoming involved, and NIL agents and your NFL agents are different things. So now you're having multiple people's people in, in these kids' ear. Um, overall, I think it's better for for the kids and the sport. So I agree, you know, not too much to bitch about, but it, it's it's worth <laughs> mentioning. You know, virtually all these underclassmen who are coming out or guys who were expected to go in the first four rounds.
2: Yeah. I think once we hit that equilibrium with NIL, because right now it's, you know, I, I feel old saying it as a high school coach, but like it's the wild West out there. Um, yeah. But once we hit that equilibrium between NIL and, you know, going pro, it will be better for both sports because it'll allow kids to develop at the college level while getting paid and allow those upperclassmen who have developed to be more pro ready. Once they go to the NFL, um, I think it's just going to be a rough couple of years as we figure that balance out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. R- rough, as rough is rough. Well, yeah. We can talk <laughs> about that in the uh, coaching, yep. coaching part of this. Um, Let's talk about tight end and wide receiver at the same mm-hmm. time. Everyone other than probably Tyler Davis is coming back. Yeah. I don't think they're going to spend any money on Tyler Davis Um, coming back, but it also wouldn't shock me. They, they really seem to like him on special teams. I don't think they're going to add, Many bodies see the position like they already have like eight mouths to feed at wide receiver they have two and a half mouths to feed at tight end um I don't think Deguara he's technically listed as fullback um is going to come back either so yeah
2: Yeah, I mean
1: I think they're fine there
2: that's my only question is do you look for that hybrid tight end fullback guy to replace Deguara in this draft Believe it or not, I haven't looked at any of those guys as much as I would like to know what those names are.
1: Yeah, I'll uh, tell you what—I'm not watching tight ends this year.
2: <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Boy, did we have fun last year, though. I really enjoyed yeah. watching all those tight ends last year. Yeah. Um, Darnell Washington, look, though, poor one. Out. I
1: want—I want to <laughs> give us a pat on the back. We fucking nailed the draft last year. We
2: did. Oh, we, we nailed
1: it. it. We knew exactly who these players were.
2: Uh, Jaden Reed and Duntavian Wicks. Uh, we were psyched about Vanessa who flashed. Plus
1: um, Gravencraft. Yeah. We were there. Uh-huh. Valentine wasn't a guy that I saw until post-draft, but Valentine Same. was like my guy. I was like, what? How, <laughs> how was this guy available in the seventh? That's nuts. Yeah, so, yeah, we nailed it last year, dude. That felt let's, good. Let's, that let's felt do it good. again. Let's find yes. a safety. For the uh, love of God, let's find some safeties. I can't um, wait. I can't wait. <laughs> offensive line, elephant in the room is David Bakhtiari. Um, the question I have is like Rashid Walker. People are like, yeah, he did well enough at left tackle. I don't know at left tackle if that's a position where you're like, this guy did well enough, right? Yes. I, I think that's a position where take a swing if you got to take a swing. And this is a really good offensive line class where we were talking about, you know, the, the positions don't stack up that well for the Packers needs. If they view left tackle or right guard as a need, there's so many guys. In this draft class, and we'll we'll go more in depth on that. Um, But there might be ten offensive linemen drafted in the first round. Yeah, like compared to last year, where where uh there was that line in the sand, right? And it was basically Mm -hmm. like Broderick Jones, and it was like we you got to be able to get Broderick Jones, or you're just like not drafting a guy in like (laughs) the first three rounds at tackle, right? Yeah. It's totally different compared to this class.
2: What I'm surprised about, too, is just the depth of the interior offensive lineman at the top. I mean, yeah. uh, the, what's the Pac-12 cooking? Because they got a couple guys in the interior that I'm in love with right
1: now. Yeah, um, we're, they they got physical. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Look, I don't want to do this around a bunch of Big Ten listeners. Like, <laughs> hey, you're Big like, Ten now. Welcome. How are Oregon and Washington going to match up with the physicality of they They're the pretty Ten? physical we're going to score 80 on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. We are Ohio state now. Um, Yeah. But uh, like Graham Barton, the kid from uh dude, yeah. Jackson powers, Johnson, who I think can play center and play guard. Um, The kid from Washington. I haven't seen him.
2: Oh my God. He's probably my favorite of this group. He's the guy that played primarily left tackle for the Huskies. Uh, he will almost certainly get kicked inside early. Yeah. I've uh, seen every, he moves about him as a guard. S- the thing that stood out to me, I was trying to watch Washington's offense. And obviously, you know, you want to watch Penix, you want to watch the receivers. But they run a lot of outside zone concepts. And they're like, how did this left tackle reach around and get to this landmark, get to this guy? His movement skills are outrageously good. Um, and his hands, there's a lot about that guy I think would be good. I'm curious to see how he tests. There's, that's the thing with this group. There are so many of these tackles that can kick inside that the backers have to be like foaming at the mouth considering taking a, one or two of these guys, because they need help on the interior line. Uh, it got ugly at times this year.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they actually push Myers. Like, even, you know, in his interviews during Super Bowl week was hyping up Myers. Um, John Runyon Jr., though, is going to be a free agent. The question then becomes, like, Sean Ryan, are you going to let him be an uncontended starter? We um, were talking, you know, Bakhtari potential replacement, Runyon potential replacement, and then you have the Josh Naiman, you know, leaving situation too. So that's a whole lot of backfill that you have to be doing at the at the position at the very least, right? So I would not be shocked if the Packers spent two, three draft picks on offensive linemen. It's going to be one of the positions that I study the most this uh, offseason for sure. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I guess we can talk about scheme change a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Don't expect any real change on the defensive side in
2: terms of personnel. Um four like down linemen. But four down linemen, Justice. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Oh my gosh.
1: Um anyone who is playing end or tackle is gonna play defensive tackle in this game. Anyone who's playing outside linebacker is gonna play defensive end now. I know people are like, you know, which one of these guys is gonna be the Sam? Not Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith no that's not like Preston Smith's going to be an every down 4-3 defensive end which kind of negates some of his Bennett like some of the best things that he does which is like his versatility Um, that's a whole different conversation but like you know interior defensive tackle I don't know if they add another body they could I wouldn't expect it to be super high in the draft but like you're working with Kenny Slayton, Wyatt Brooks. That's a pretty good story. Who knows about Wooden, right?
2: Man, did they start stepping up in the tail end of the year, though? I mean, what I used to think was a weakness, I mean, I kind of turned around. I mean, I think Carl Brooks, especially, just the flashes he showed as a rookie uh, for a guy that when we watched, he we was like, it was this like 300 pound Mac pass rusher, and then all of a sudden, he's been a very confident defensive lineman, which is pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I actually wonder, like. I probably should have watched an all star game of Brooks, you know, playing in a real NFL system. Because when I watched him out of Bowling Green, I just kinda threw my hands up and was like, I don't know. Like I, I have no idea. You know, that probably would have informed me a little bit more and you know, that's why all these guys travel all that stuff yeah. to, to the All Star Circuit and all that.
2: Um before we move from D line, there is one guy that if he somehow fell, would be so fun here and it won't happen. But have you watched Byron Murphy yet at Texas? Oh, the
1: massive duties like three thirty, right? No,
2: not sweat. The other oh. one. Oh. No, I haven't. Ooh. Seen I've only paid attention to sweat. That boy twitched up. He uh he fast for a three hundred pounder and his motor is outrageous. It's uh, I know it's everyone
1: fun. who talked about Texas was like, Yeah, that's where they make their money.
2: It their was list. nice. It was fun to watch. Those two were just very fun. Defensive end, we're
1: gonna have Gary Smith. Van Ness, maybe I think there's like a twenty percent chance Smith doesn't come back, but I doubt it. Um, and Ikbary's obviously gonna start the season on the pup list. And then you have Brenton Cox. Plus, did you know how many outside linebacker now defensive ends are on the Packers
2: roster once you include
1: uh reserve futures contracts?
2: Oh no. You think Ten. I'm keeping up you think I have the time to keep up Ten. with reserve future contracts right now? They
1: they signed That's a lot, damn. They signed five guys to reserve futures contracts at the position. Wow. Like I, I think that might just be a spot where they say, like, hey, we need four to start the year. Here's seven guys to push Brenton Cox, right? Um, maybe Cox, they spend a draft pick there.
2: I'm curious of Cox at d n, end, and I know it like it's very negligible or very minuscule changes from old to end in the system, but he does play a lot with power and at least on his college tape. So I'm curious to see how that translates.
1: I do think Van Ness and Gary will be better with the hand. Van there.
2: Van Ness just makes so much sense for this. And yeah, I'm it's, actually it's, pretty excited about that.
1: <laughs> Van Ness is a guy we even talked about last year. And we were like, he doesn't know what he's doing when he's standing up still. Right. <laughs> um, yep. So yeah, that'll be interesting inside or not inside linebacker off ball linebacker. Sorry, folks. I'm still transitioning to four, three defense. <laughs> Devondre, I think is going to get cut. Um. Should be. You could, be. Save, you could I, save about ten million dollars in cash by letting him go, and I don't think he's worth ten million.
2: It. Uh, he started becoming a distraction along with his level of play, and I don't mean to say that cruelly, but a lot of those passive aggressive social media posts about playing injured and things like that. Boy, I just think you're slow now. It. The yes. the on field yeah. stuff was, like teams just knew. They knew immediately we're going to pick apart Devontae Campbell, and it, boy, did it show. And I know Quade had an up and down season as well, but I can see the potential with him. Campbell's just done. I, I don't unless he had something super major he was dealing with, but even then, that's two years in a row where you just did not live up to expectations.
1: And again, ten million. Are you taking a ten million dollar? I would like the ten million when you're when you're when you're pressed up against the cap and stuff. Um, Isaiah McDuffie and Quay Walker almost certainly will start on this team next year. Mm -hmm. Eric Wilson and Christian Welsh, both of these guys are primarily special teams guys are going to be unrestricted free agents. Um, The only other inside line or off ball linebacker on this team is Christian young, who is a reserve futures contract player. He was a converted safety from the college level. This is one where I'm like, do the Packers use three draft picks (laughs) on linebacker? Like they might use a ton.
2: Unfortunately, not a great class for it. Can yeah. I give you one name that I've fallen in love with just pairing him with Quay?
1: Go for it because I've watched like 20 linebackers already. I'm rip ready. Born to go at a linebacker.
2: Edger and Cooper. We got to talk. Can we just yeah. do kid? that boy fast? is just every time that I boy, watch that him.
1: boy flies. Yeah. Watch, <laughs> watch the Alabama game. He does all sorts of stuff. The guys at the top of the draft, I think, well, we could talk about it a little bit mm-hmm. without spoiling next week's episode. Yeah. Also, I don't know how we're going to record next week's episode cuz I got to go to Cabo next week. I'm uh, moving. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe 2 weeks from now's episode. Um, Adrian Cooper and Colson, the kid from uh Michigan. Both of them are kind of like second, third, you know, right around that turn. Um, probably late second, I would say, mid to late second round picks who are more athletic than they are polished guys um yeah. and that's what we're talking about at the top of the linebacker class right now
2: oh. don't you this is just me thinking because i'm not used to you know four three ideologies but wouldn't you want quay as the sam eating up blocks and then one of these fast athletic guys trying to just get into the backfield or find those I think, lanes I think,
1: I think quay's gonna play the mic and then mike yep yeah the, the will is gonna be whoever's more so he's a weak side linebacker. He's gonna have to be like more coverage based, right? Like he's gonna have to play. Which the Cooper flats can and stuff. I like haven't that.
2: watched Colson yet, but I'm, Cooper could definitely do that.
1: Yeah. And then depending how they use the Sam, like there's different ways to use the Sam. Like uh if you look at like how the Seahawks used to do it, right? Their Sam was basically like a drop down guy, walked down to the line of scrimmage. He was almost mm-hmm. like a uh would do the run defender stuff for a three four outside linebacker. Mm-hmm but then we drop in a coverage too, right? So that would kind of be the Preston Smith type of thing, but there's no way that they're going to do that down to down. If they're going to be a four, three team, Mm -hmm. they're not going to play a 270 pounder and Preston Smith at Sam. So they got to figure something out. Um, Corner. Everyone is mocking the Packers a corner.
2: It was one corner specifically.
1: Well, so so yeah, there is Eugene, but like, (laughs) I'm seeing, there's so many mock drafts where it's like, I know, Kool Aid McKinstry and stuff like that. The kid, uh, Wiggins, the kid from Clemson. I don't think corner is a big need for this team, man. And I know anytime anyone says Eric Stokes' name, you just get hit with, can he stay healthy? It's different injuries. So, like, yep. I'm not really that worried about that. And then also, we have Carrington Valentine and Keyshawn can get re signed and just play the nickel. Yep. So, like, okay, Stokes is hurt. We still have, I think Valentine's a pretty good player. Did no one see what Valentine was doing this year? And Am he I was, going crazy?
2: Uh, and he was crazy, which I loved. He was talking shit over everything, yeah. which I really enjoyed. I think the reason they keep mocking corner is it could push and cause some competition. Jair's been weird about the offseason. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. But it's D- been Jair's a weird, not going he's anywhere. He's not going anywhere. It's not but happening. I think it's more of a value perspective where the top of this class is so loaded with very, very yeah. good corners. But then it's just a straight cliff. It's a a cliff. As soon as you hit like the five, six, seven guys, however many, it just there's a drop off. You get all these day one guys, and then you're probably going to look at day three.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like offensive line was last year. Safety. Oh boy. Can you name there's three safeties under contract for the Packers this year.
2: Can you Mm. name them? Are they? Did any of them start?
1: I think so. Yeah, one.
2: Mm, not Owens, not Ford, not Savage. Nope. Oh, I'm screwed. No, Anthony Johnson.
1: Yes, Anthony Johnson Jr. I think he made a start. Um, Benny Sapp, third, who was called off off the practice. That's block. not a real person. And then Zane Anderson, who's picked up off of. Wayne Definitely of not Williams. a real person. <laughs> so yeah, that's our safety group right now. This is another. Do we draft three position, right? Mm -hmm. I think safety, linebacker, biggest needs by far. Special teams, not even worth talking about right now. Um, I will say on the special teams front, the transition from the four three to or from three four to the four three might impact special teams a little bit, Mm -hmm. just in terms of the bodies. You're gonna end up. We just talked about personnel and how players aren't gonna be playing really any sort of different positions, right? With that being said, you're going to need more bodies at, inside, at off-ball linebacker, which means they're going to have to come from somewhere else. The Packers don't really play wide receivers at special teams. Um, under Basaccia at least, that's kind of been one of his changes. So taking away bodies from safety, that's really the only place that you can shave off. So that means, you know, Basaccia isn't going to get his designated uh Special teams players, you know, three special teams players only at safety. Um, maybe some of these wide receivers end up playing a little bit more teams, and you know, a guy like Malik Heath has to get involved, right? Um, that's the only difference really I see from a roster construction standpoint.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see it with Heath. I like his physicality. Uh, and speed, I could imagine that he would have some kind of role on special teams. Yeah. But this is your wheelhouse, man. You're the sicko that charts all the punt coverage. and <laughs> You're like, I think they switched out this this guy on punt protection. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I
1: Punt protection is still – it's important, man. It's important. It is. It lost us a playoff game. <laughs> I'm going to continue to pay attention to it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's take a little break. Actually, any final thoughts on the needs like mm. corner you need depth I There's
2: really There's a couple w-
1: positions you can add at but like I still think the big four are the four that you know the fans also pin down right it's it's running back it's the offensive line it's safety it's linebacker those are the positions I'm fully committed to watching this year I hate watching safeties Yep I'm going to have to do it again
2: I know I know how much defense was a problem last year. And obviously a new coach, you're going to want to add more talent there. Uh, I just think it's so important to find more offensive linemen. And fortunately, the Packers are historically excellent at finding offensive linemen. Um, I just want to know if they take one early, find a versatile guy that can play multiple spots like Elton, like Zach Tom. Um, I just, If you're thinking about how special the offense looked at times last year, Maybe you want to keep protecting Jordan Love, keep him healthy, because uh, I am already considering MVP futures. Like, that's how excited I am about this offense. Here,
1: Here is how you measure if the Packers have done enough on the offensive line in the draft. Is Royce Newman a fact? <laughs> right? Like, is Royce Newman still in consideration as an injury guy off of the bench? We didn't really have to think about Royce Newman this year, and I like that. And I would like to continue that moving forward with all due respect to Royce. Um, all right, let's take a break. And on the other side, we'll talk about uh, the changes with the uh, defensive coordinator and the defensive staff. <laughs>
0: You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump. A block.
2: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas.
1: And we are back. All right. What was your reaction when they hired Jeff Halfley?
2: The Snoop Dogg who? Because I (laughs) (laughs) didn't know who that was. I was trying to keep an eye on things. And again, granted, right now, uh, obviously job change. It's hard for me to follow the Packers as closely. Uh, But boy, was I keeping an eye on the defensive coordinator rumors as much as I could. Um, The more I... Dove into it, and I listened to that like hour long interview he had done with the former player. I can't remember the guy's name.
1: He's a former Penn State kid. Yeah, um, he was like a five star tight end or something like that. And now he does podcasting. If you type in just like Jeff Halfley interview, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna pop up. It came out the day the morning yep. that Halfley uh, agreed to be the Packers defensive coordinator, which is kind of funny.
2: I I really liked hearing him speak. Uh, just he talks vibes. like Shanahan.
1: He yeah. talks like Shanahan. That was. <clears throat> My first reaction when I watched it, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about the caliber of the coach. We're just literally talking about manner, mannerism. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, this is, a, this, yeah, I could see how, why Shanahan wanted this guy around for so long. Like they're the same dude.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm just interested to see what it looks like on the field at this point, Um, because you can just look at his experience and hear him talk for so long before you actually see what it looks like on the field, but it's definitely a bigger conversation about, wow, these college coaches do not want to coach in college anymore.
1: So let's talk about, let's just go through his resume, right? Um, He's a small school coach, ends up becoming a defensive assistant for Pittsburgh as a GA there. Famously, he worked with Darrell, Darrell Revis. I think he even talked about in that, in that uh, interview, he was like, man, I had Darrell Revis and I was coaching corners I thought I was a hell of a cornerback's coach. <laughs> <laughs> thought, that, thought that was funny. Um he ended up going to uh Rutgers and then Tampa. If you're doing the the uh the the coaching tree thing there, right? That's Shiano, right? Mm-hmm. And Shiano ends up bleeding into Urban Meyer, which is why you know the Ryan Day stuff starts to make sense and all that, and we could talk about that moving forward. Um after the Buccaneers, he's with the Browns and the 49ers. Obviously, that's you know, he's has crossover with Shanahan there. Um the nine the so last time he coached in the NFL was uh 18 with the Niners. So we're talking pre COVID with all this stuff. Um The Niners are interesting, right? Because that's the one defensive scheme that has been able to stick in the post safety stuff. Um and we're talking post safety that's you know, the safety in the middle of the field right? um, That's the one team that had iterated the Seahawks defense and kind of been able to keep it together and not just be a cover three match team, you know, that that gets destroyed by all these condensed sets, which is what's happening in the league and why you really don't see you know, even Pete Carroll switched to basically like a split high safety defense, Um, you know, at the end with Seattle. Everyone else is running either the Blitz Bluff stuff, right? Which is, you know, the the all the Rex Ryan tree, right? We saw that with uh Petton. Um we're seeing that with all the Ravens guys right now. Or it's just straight up match quarters fangio stuff, right? So there's basically those three big trees in the NFL right now, not including whatever the hell Ron Rivera and uh Jack Del Rio were doing. I guess Gus Bradley is still like kind of running like true blue, what the old Seahawks stuff was. Man, did Colts fans not
2: like that? No, buddy. I don't know
1: why they keep giving Gus Bradley jobs because he's not changing and it's not going good. Nope. Um, So, yeah. So I, I, I think it's an interesting hire from that perspective. Now, how does he end up in the college world again after spending 2012 through 2018 at the NFL level? Ryan Day people don't remember worked under chip kelly with the san francisco 49ers in that one year that he was with the niners right ryan day ends up getting the call up to be ohio state's offensive coordinator and then you know shortly after urban's gone he becomes head coach and then he taps Halfley on the shoulder he's like hey do you want to be my dc he spends the year as the dc at ohio state that was probably ohio state's best season um in terms of Uh, The defensive side of the ball, now you can say Ohio State has all these skill players and all that stuff on the defensive side. You know, It's easier when you're playing with a loaded deck. I kind of agree. I I wouldn't say extrapolate that toward the NFL, but he's also the guy who made Jeff Okuda a top five pick, right? And Jeff Okuda hasn't done much of anything at the NFL level. Um, Right after that, he goes to Boston College, and shit just starts hitting the fan, brother. So twenty 2020 twenty through twenty twenty three, he's at Boston College. One, you have the COVID thing, right? That's an obvious thing. Two, Boston College. This is something I we you've talked to Sam, so I could talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Um Sam Schwarzstein, he works for Prime, uh, Prime Video now. Um, he used to work with me at the XFL. We had way too many Stanford guys at the XFL in twenty twenty. I'll say that on record. Way too many <laughs> guys. Um it is so hard for those academic schools to and you know, every school's an academic school, but schools with super high academic standards that don't drop those standards for football players, right? Um to compete in this era. And I think that's one reason why you saw a guy like David Shaw just walk away. Yeah. Um you can't get guys to transfer in. COVID years are getting guys extra years. You can't get these guys into grad programs. There's guys who were at Stanford, got the extra year at Stanford, and Stanford was like, you can't keep going to school here. Not, We're not admitting you into a Stanford grad program just because you play football. On
0: scholarship.
1: Yeah, like you, that's <laughs> not happening, right? So that's where you see the weird stuff. I, I think their quarterback like transferred to Mississippi State or something like that a couple years ago. Like that's kind of the situation that you're seeing with these kind of programs. Um, on top of that, you're getting the transfer portal. So – Hey, you develop a guy at Boston College, he can just leave yep. and go somewhere else.
2: And you're not getting a replacement because t- of those academic standards.
1: And on top of that, you're getting NIL, yep. which Boston College can't pay anyone. So I think the Hathley thing is like Boston College is a totally different job in 2024 than it was in 2020. 100%. And on top of that, I think he had three or four different athletic directors at Boston oh College. So, That's unreal. Dude, he got... Look, I'm, I'm not,
0: I'm not part of my like, language. He's yeah. shafted.
1: <laughs> I'm not here to like hype up the half higher hire more than it should be. But like, dude, there's a reason why some of these guys want out. Yeah, and 100%. UCLA is another program. That's kind of like that too, where, you know, they have a certain level of academic standards. Chip Kelly just left UCLA. He was going to make like $8 million a year there. I was like, to hell with this. I'm going to go be an offense coordinator at Ohio state. And all I have to do is call plays like, Chip Kelly functionally said, like, I'm going to have an NFL job in terms of what I do day-to-day, and I'm not going to have to worry about the recruiting, and I'm not going to have to worry about the NIL, and I'm not going to have to worry about the portal and all that stuff. Um, I,
2: I think I think what I like about the Halfly Hire, two things, is just the variety of coaching philosophies he's been around. I think that's awesome. I, I like guys that aren't married to one scheme their entire coaching career because obviously that can get stale. Um. Oh my gosh! Did I lose the second point? Oh no! It's it's early for us. Um, it slipped I, away. Yeah, it slipped away, unfortunately. But uh, oh, there Uh it is. Uh, it didn't feel like a panic hire, whereas Joe Barry felt like a panic hire at the time.
1: And it's so. I will say this, right? People, i i if if you're wondering what Halfley's going to run in the, in the NFL. Generally, I would say look at the Niner tree, right? Look at what D'Amico Ryans is doing, all that stuff, right? Um, look at that primarily because I think Ohio State, I think there's valid points about looking at Ohio State and saying, like, you're probably not going to do that if you you aren't absolutely loaded to the gills and more talented than the other team that you're going to face, right? But at the same time, you also can't look at Boston College and say, like, Yeah, you know, he's playing with a hand tied behind his back, and that's what he's going to do in the NFL, right? I I think a lot of this came down to how he interviewed and stuff like that and what his plan was there. Um, Everyone I've talked to and, you know, everything that I've seen, you know, you look at uh, what Richard Sherman has said about Halfley in the past, right? Like, this guy knows how to coach DBs. That's, you know, that's, that's his fastball right so like i w- i would not worry about that at all um now with that being said boston college he was there for 3 years the percentages on middle of the field closed which is you know that post safety that single high safety in the middle of the field the percentages in in major college football fbs that they played that type of coverage um first 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 fifth right So I think it's fair to say that he's going to play with the post safety. That's what he did at Ohio state. That's what he did at Boston college to a high, 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 high level. Um, That's what the Niners tree does. That's the one through line. I think that you can look at now, what does that mean? Right? So we're probably going to be looking at different kinds of safeties. Um, We're going to be talking about a safety that can play in the middle of the field. And then a guy who's a drop down guy and, you know, I'm not saying the guy has to be a camp chancellor, but you look at what the Niners had when the guy was healthy and there was a guy like Hufunga, right? Where mm-hmm. you, the, he's a, he's a bigger safety who can hit. He runs a four, six. He's not for everyone, right? Like obviously the teams that are running the match quarter stuff are going to say like, Hey, that guy's going to have to carry a slot vertical, right? If there's a slot fade, that guy's going to have to run 40 yards down the field. We don't want to do that. But you're the Niners, and you could find a guy like Hufunga in the fifth round, and you're like, "Oh, he's a Pro Bowler now in our scheme." So yep. I, I, I think the safety positions are less interchangeable now, which I mm. think is kind of good, especially yeah. if you're in the Packers position where you're looking to find two starters, right? I mean, let's not pretend that the Packers aren't bad at that spot right now, right? you know maybe a guy like johnson can can be a guy who plays in the middle of the field and then all you need to do is find a guy who can kind of play in the box it's kind of puts you in a situation where you need uh less of a jack of all trades and you're just looking for a master of none and masters of none or no, master of one is what i meant to there say we go. master yeah. of none um you're looking for a master of one and uh you know those guys aren't for everyone right now so maybe one falls into your lap I, I think that's one way to look at it.
2: I, I, I'm i excited about that because it will allow us to change our thinking for when we have to watch safeties compared to last year. For sure. Um, which I thought made it more difficult last year when we were trying to evaluate these guys. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll make it a much more fun episode for us when we have to grind the tape on all the
0: safeties.
1: I mean, that's another thing too, right? Like think about last year. We were like, hey, they need a safety, right? Where are they going to add a safety? And we did all this work on safeties and they just didn't find value in the draft. Right. Yep. Cause one just didn't fall into their lap who could do everything. Yep. Right. And now you're not having to look at a guy who has to do everything. So yeah, I, th- I do think that there's some, some value there.
2: Yeah. Right? So, Cause you're not competing with all these other teams looking for yeah. the more versatile safeties. You're looking for the guys to do the thing.
1: Right. Exactly. So that's just kind of my thoughts on Halfley. Um, there are people – so, like, this is something – I don't know. Do, do you follow Stephen Godfrey?
2: Name sounds familiar.
1: He does college football stuff. Um, He's pushing back significantly on the idea that college jobs are that bad, and he points out guys like Halfley and Chip Kelly are, were also on the hot seat going into this year and just decided, like, hey – this is actually a better job for me moving forward and you know, why why waste another season, you know, in a bad fit? I I think that's a little bit relevant, but man, guys are trying to jump shit out of college football.
2: That job right now just sounds exhausting. Anyone I've talked to in even like the lower levels is just like you're recruiting outside and inside nonstop. Like they no longer have time off. They used to have like a little balance after the season was over, but now you're trying to keep guys in house and then you have the spring game and then that transfer portal opens up. and You're going to lose everyone again. Like I don't understand how you construct a roster right now until this gets situated.
1: UCLA is an interesting one, right? So if you're, if you're you're following kind of the ripple effect of Halfley leaving Boston college, he leaves Boston college, Bill O'Brien takes Boston college that opens up the OC job at Ohio state. Chip Kelly leaves the UCLA job to be the OC at Ohio state. And then UCLA has to promote internally for Deshaun Foster. There's a 30-day transfer window that opens up as soon as a head coach leaves. Um, UCLA has a transfer portal window that is open right now. Basically, right before the start of spring football. And then there's going to be another 30-day transfer window immediately after that. So UCLA just came off of a transfer window is now in the middle of a second transfer window and there's going to have a third transfer window. They basically have like a, what since the beginning of January until the draft, like literally like four months Uh. of their guys are free to leave whenever they want. Right. Like that's, it's a lot, man, dude, that's a lot. And that drives people crazy. I know, um, earlier on before they had a little bit more of the, uh, before they have some more restrictions on the transfer portal, like I'd heard stories of like a dude who's, you know, hey, he's 4th of July. He's on vacation with his kids and his family, right? Um, And he learns, you know, a linebacker is hitting the portal. And now he's leaving the cookout on 4th of July to hit the transfer portal, uh, you know, see, see who's in the transfer portal and watch film because he needs to backfill at that position, right? That miserable. Sucks
2: miserable that
1: sucks and then everything comes down to money too so everything is just fundraising 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 especially for a head coach like in halfley's position and it just sucks to have to have your hand out constantly and be like guys we need more money ucla is another one that was interesting their athletic director vehemently was opposed to their boosters funding their nil program because they still needed money for facilities. Mm, These are the yeah. same dollars, right And you're saying like hey don't pay the kids because we need to get the facilities first and then we could pay the kids in a couple years like this sucks this suck it sucks that this is how this is all going. I-, I don't think that any of it's gonna like change significantly until the kids are considered employees of the state. And then who knows what's going to happen? The 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 big thing that's have you seen the? I think it was Princeton. Did you see the Princeton stuff that came? Yes,
2: out their players are unionizing. Is that right?
1: So the NL the NLRB, um, the National Labor Relations Board. I should know this because I work with the union Fox, Um, said that Princeton's basketball team, uh should be considered employees of the university and therefore should be allowed to unionize. And what's going to come from that? Who knows, right? Like that, that can go a lot of different ways. Um, They've kind of done this in the past before too. I I know everyone remembers the, uh, the Northwestern stuff that kind of ended up turning into nothing. These are significant because these are all private institutions, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The NORB doesn't have anything to do with state run institutions, but if, Schools like Princeton are called, um, you know, their student athletes are called uh, employees. That is going to have ripple effects in major college football, too. And I wouldn't expect that to last much longer. Now, what happens when they're called employees? Who knows? Um, I don't think it's out of the question that the kids wouldn't have to go to school. Like, I think that's on the table. Like they they would basically become
2: Hardell Jones' uh, dream come true.
1: I mean, it's it's not out of the question that college football would just be viewed as a marketing arm for the university, and then yeah. they would just be called employees through yep. that perspective, right? Yeah. Um I know, buddy. Let me tell you, working with the XFL, do you know what our biggest uh, expense was? It wasn't player salaries. It was insurance. The fact that you can get workers comp and stuff like that, which is what a lot of these arguments come from. I mean, the 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 reason that student athlete became a thing was because it was the school's retort to workers comp. Right. Yeah. Um, If that changes, a lot of the money is just going to go up and up and up. And I think that there's a valid argument from people that are like, hey this is going to kill the non-revenue sports yeah dude yep. i think it is and i think they're doing the math on that and they're saying we're we're willing to go down that road um it's going to become a big question of whether or not like I know this sounds like I'm rambling. I'm, I'm trying to talk about these big ideas. Uh, it's the most
2: fascinating. It's the most fascinating discussion in sport in America right now to me. I wrote college papers about this. Oh, my God. When was that? Uh, Ten years ago. Yeah. And now we're seeing this unfold and just all these unintended consequences. And how does it shape the future of not just college football, but just collegiate sport?
1: So here, here's another one, right? if they're employees, why would they graduate out?
2: Mm-hmm. Shit.
1: Ooh. I mean, college professors don't do four years and then walk away. Right. So like, why would there be an expiration date on how long you could play? You know, if you're considered the marketing arm of the university, why, does, why would there be a limit there? You're does not that become a, a negotiation
2: with the NFL where they're like, listen, well, yeah. Holy that's shit. Something, that's something Another.
1: too, that people have pointed out and have been like, Hey, like, why couldn't the NFL just draft kids? And if they go back to school, you still own their rights, right? It's like the old like NBA stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. Larry Bird was already a Celtic by the time he ended up leaving Indiana state, right? Like there, there's precedent for all this stuff. And I don't think a lot of this is, uh, I don't think a lot of this is solved. The one thing I will say is like the, the USC lawsuit. That's another one that is operating out there. And that might be like, the big one, um, I think the courts are going to side with the kids almost yeah. every time, especially with the way. I mean, I don't want to make this political and all that stuff, but like the the way that the courts, um, have been built in this country, like they're kind of all leaning that way right now. Um, so yeah, man. Again, like there are people who are like the the Halfley stuff doesn't make sense. Like he's just on the hot seat and he wanted to leave for a job that better suited him, which I also think. Yes, it's true. It yes, true. But it, but also, both can be true. Dude, college sucks right now. And yeah. th- there's a reason like. UCLA is going to play Ohio State next year. I actually don't know if that's true, but they're in the same conference, right? Chip left. Being the head coach of one of those teams to be the OC at another. Yep, That never would have happened. To
2: Willingly him. took a demotion.
1: But guess what? Yep. I bet Chip doesn't see it like that. Nope, I wouldn't either. Alabama is another one that is interesting. Um, Do you know who the defensive coordinators at Alabama are?
2: Is it co-defensive coordinators? Co-defensive coordinators. I wrote about this or had someone write about it the other day, and I've been so uh, focused on the OC search right now. Yeah, so
1: it's Womack, who used to be the head coach at South Al, and then uh, I'm forgetting his name, the dude who was at Buffalo, right? I mean, those are two guys who are sitting in FBS jobs. As head coaches and decided to leave to be co-defensive coordinators for someone else. That never happens in the past. Yeah. Um, Jason Candle, the guy at Toledo, has been rumored as a guy who wanted to take an offensive coordinator job at a bunch of different jobs, including um Miami, right? That guy's won the Mac like three times. And he's looking at the Mac and he's like, you can't graduate out of the Mac these are dead-end jobs right um Colorado's offensive coordinator that was another uh that was another one he was the head coach at, at Kent State and was like I'm gonna go be the OC for Dion how much of a f- I almost dropped the f-bomb how much how much of a mystery box was Dion going into week one of last season and that yeah. guy was like I gotta take the risk like a lot of these jobs are dead-end jobs now man It's interesting. It's really interesting and probably concerning for a lot of these coaches because they're like, why don't I just become the DC at Georgia and just stay there until someone gives me, I don't know, like the Michigan State job, right? Because I think a lot of these coaches now are looking at that and saying like, "That's, that's the minimum that I can leave for. It's not hey, you go turn around a Belt team and then he'll get promoted into the SEC. Like That's not how this stuff works out anymore. Nope. I mean, Jonathan Smith, I just brought up Michigan State. Jonathan Smith was at Oregon State. They were playing in the Pac-12. They were, they were a top 10 ranked team at one point this past season. He was the Fiesta Bowl winning quarterback for the best team that Oregon State ever had. He was the head coach of that program. And he left for Michigan State. It's not good. No. it's not good college football is really concerning right now
2: <laughs> have you ever have you did you watch chip Kelly's rant while he was still at UCLA about his ideas for changing college football
1: yeah he was basically like cap yep. everything right and like yep. you can't do that if they're not considered employees because they're not collectively bargaining the NFL oh. the NFL is an illegal entity that gets a uh antitrust wave basically and the union never wins anything in the NFL until they decertify and basically threaten to take that into court and saying like, "We're just gonna blow the whole thing up." So I don't know what the heck is gonna happen in college football because I don't know if they're gonna be awarded the same antitrust, you know, yeah.
2: waivers. Are didn't the SEC and Big Ten just announce they're exploring separating from the NCAA for football? Was that what they?
1: That... No, I mean basically what it is is it. I mean it's just a false threat. It, it, it's basically yeah. just like make sure the playoff favors us is, is what they came together. To That's
2: already but, happening, brother. Just,
1: yeah. I mean, good. it would not be shocking to me at all. If you know, the playoff is expanded to 12 teams If eight of those teams end up being big 10 yeah. and sec teams. Like it's the way we're trending right now. Um, Yeah. So, wow. Draft. Top. Those are, those are my <laughs> thoughts on half in college football. Like it's, not good it's no. not good um next week though linebacker we want
2: to start where do i need to start cramming linebackers linebackers yes. i've seen like 20 yes. of them
1: so we're watching linebackers and then after that i think offensive linemen which is going to be a big task so
2: I'm i've got to a few i watch at least at the top so start going into i still haven't watched the duke kid um no i'll just be cramming i'll have a whole nice office <laughs> up with natural light instead of just being inside the apartment with no windows i can't wait <laughs> oh it's going to be glorious yeah i'll be in heaven
1: i don't know uh, when it's going to come out next week if it comes out next week it'll probably come out early next week if uh you don't see it by the 22nd no i'm in cabo and <laughs> uh so yeah it won't come out until the week after that
2: that's that's fine i'll be still unpacking probably if we record early next week uh,
1: hey unpack Let's go.
2: A shadow unpack. Um,
1: Any? Final I can't thoughts?
2: wait. I can't wait. It's uh, it's good to be back and flexing these muscles. Uh, shameless plug, but read my mock draft. It's pinned on my Twitter X thing. Um, I'm gonna try and start doing some more draft coverage for FanBuzz. Um, since we are such a strong college football brand, hopefully we can have some carry over there. But yeah, give all our stuff a read.
1: I'm clicking the mock draft right now, and I'm gonna scroll down to the Packers pick, and I'm not gonna spoil it. Just you can spoil it. React. I don't care. You can no, spoil it. I, I want care. people to click it. I, I I'm gonna go to it right now. I'm gonna look at the Packers selection. Ooh, interesting. All right. Huh.
2: I just didn't want Dejean. I was sick. I got Dejean <laughs> fatigue.
1: Interesting. So yeah, it was go, go click was that mad. mock draft. Uh <laughs> you'll maybe hear us next week, if not the week after, linebackers, and then we'll do offensive line. And we'll do running back safety. We'll t- obviously, we'll talk about the Combine by that point. Um, pre-draft visits is going to be a huge thing. Cannot stress enough. Pay attention to those. The actual visits, not just who the Packers are talking to at All-Star Games and at the Combine and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't matter. They talk to everyone at some, at some point. But um, the actual pre-draft visits is a pretty good tell on who the Packers are targeting or at least what positions that they're going to target. Um, I think they've drafted like five guys in the last, uh, each of the last two drafts who are on pre-draft visits and stuff. So keep an eye out on that. Go Pack Go.
2: Go Pack Go.